say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the crease. Jameson does it. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, welcome in everybody on this Thursday. It is Thursday, right? Wednesday, Monday games throw me off. Wednesday games, if it's Tuesday, I kind of I can center my week. Wednesday, it's Thursday. There's a game last night. We'll talk about that. Looking forward to talking about it. It was a win, and nothing crazy happened after. Is that allowed? We'll hear a little bit of uh, Jim Beheim both post game uh, last night and what he said on Orange Nation not uh, one half of an hour ago. We'll play that back for you at uh, parts during the show today. But the Orange went down to uh, Tallahassee and uh, took care of business. It was uh, it was definitely a tale of two halves. Like the first half was gross to look at. It hurt my eyes. It was offensive to multiple senses. It was weird. Close. It was just, it was not a well played first half of basketball. Then the second half, the Orange scored 47 points. Things are humming. People are moving. And, you know, it was a good watch for one. We like a good watch. And then for two, the Orange played well and won the game. You know, you're going on the road to an 8-16 and 16 Florida State team. And, you know, we mentioned this yesterday. They started terribly 1-9. and nine, have been 7-7 seven and seven cents. Not great, but, you know, solidly mediocre. But it's a game, if you are Syracuse, you needed to win. And they won. So that is good. And we'll get into the uh, season totality of the numbers later on in the show. The big three, the three J's. I, I don't know. What, we're, what, what are we calling them? We got, we got Joe, Jesse, and Judah. It's like JG3 and then another three. J3, no G. I don't know. We're workshopping. But uh, Joe was good the whole game. He had 26. Like, when the Orange were scuffling a bit in the first half, he hit shots. And when Florida State made a move back at Syracuse in the second half, he hit shots. Five threes made in the game. He actually was second on the team in rebounding with seven. Jesse, odd day. Now, if you look at his final box score line, 18 points, 12 rebounds, three block shots. If that is all you know about Jesse Edwards' day yesterday, (laughs) great game. If you watch the game in the first half, you're like, how did he not have 30? And I think Jesse seemed to be asking himself that question as the first half going, I was like, how did that not go in? How did that not go in? How did this not go in? How do I not have 30? So it was a very weird game for Edwards. But they reached a point. We talk about the big three. They they haven't been able to, like we saw yesterday, they all played well at various points in the same game, but it's like, okay, it's my time to play well, then it's your time to play well, then it's somebody else's time. Uh, to play well. So Jesse had put up the numbers in the first half. In the second half, there was a point in the second half with, you know, it was like 15, 12, something like that minutes remaining that Judah Mintz had two points. One, two. He ended up with 16. He was brilliant down the stretch. Brilliant. And again, I don't want to say he was benched. To say you are benched means you're like taken out of the game and you don't come back in for like a really long time at minimum. Like he still played 34 minutes yesterday. But he was erratic in the first half, came out for a bit. Simeer came in, 
Samir was erratic himself yesterday. Beside the point. But then Judah, late in the game, something clicked, and he was off. For people wondering why Judah needs to be in the game. And I want it's starting to feel like, you know, we've seen games where Judah's played, you know, 37, 38, 39 minutes. It's feeling like his sweet spot, at least this year, is a little bit lower. Like, if he gets that, playing well or not, like that little chunk of time on the bench in the first half, you get to analyze and do the whole thing. You know, get your five, six minutes on the bench. Let let Simir get out there, play a little. Maybe a little chunk in the second half. Get your 32, 34, 35 minutes. You don't need to go the full 40. And it seems that is setting Judah up better late in the game. Because we've seen it now two games in a row. He had a longer stretch on the bench in the first half on Saturday at BC than he did yesterday. But he was the best player on the court at the end of the game Saturday. He was the best player on the court at the end of the game yesterday. That seems good. So you look at what those guys did. Combined for 60 points yesterday. 6-0. Outstanding. Chris Bell. Odd game. It, this is going to sound dumb. For a guy whose primary weapon is his three-point shot, and he was one for nine from three yesterday, I thought it was one of his better games in his Syracuse uniform because he actually did the other stuff. He did the other stuff. Six rebounds. You know when Chris Bell got his sixth rebound this season? In the seventh game. It took him seven games to get six rebounds. Yesterday, he got six rebounds in one game. Yeah, he committed some dumb fouls late and fouled out, but I thought you talk about a freshman progressing. Yeah, he missed his shots. He missed some wide-open ones. He had one late in the first half where it's exactly what you'd want. Jesse got doubled. He made a nifty little pass out of the post to Bell, feet set, left wing, left corner, kind of in that range, wide open for three and just missed it. Missed it pretty badly, too. But, you know what? He stayed in the game. And he kept missing. And he stayed in the game. Ten points, but couldn't hit from the outside. One for nine from three. Stayed in the game. Why? Why did Jim Beheim leave a guy in the game that couldn't make a shot? Because he was doing the other stuff. At long last. And he's starting to do it, I don't want to say consistently, but way more consistently than when it was not existent in the first two months of the season. Stuff like that is big. Stuff like that is how you win basketball games in the ACC and win basketball games in February, frankly. Not everyone's going to drop 20. Not every shot is going to go in. Not every game, especially the road games, are going to be pretty. Certainly not for the full 40 minutes. You need guys to do something like that. That guy's not been Chris Bell this season. It was last night. It was last night. So that's a very good sign uh, to see for the Orange Shot right now with six games remaining in the regular season. Boy, it goes fast, doesn't it? For that, we'll take a break. We'll hear a little bit from Jim Beheim, what he had to say last night after the game, what he had to say to Steve and Polly on Orange Nation earlier today. We'll do that when we come back. Your phone calls as well, 315-437-7644. Phone lines open for the rest of the way at 4 ESPN 44. Back after this, it is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am, rolling along, working our way through this Thursday afternoon, talking about the orange win last night down at Florida State, starting to shift our attention a little bit to the Super Bowl. We've talked precious little 
about the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts was in town a week and a half ago. We haven't talked about uh, the Super Bowl. And what should be a good game. Like, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Just um, There's been a lot going on. Like Locally, we've had a lot going on. Nationally, the NBA, they're like, hey, Super Bowl, watch this. We're going to trade everyone in the league. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, then, you know, come tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday, the NFL will get their revenge when one bajillion people watch the game and they make all of the money. Revenge is a dish best served on Super Bowl Sunday. A day on which many dishes are, in fact, served. But looking forward to that. We'll do a lot, a lot of Super Bowl tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be uh, like our, our Super Bowl gambling palooza day. We're going to have picks on picks on picks on picks. That's a lot, I've heard. But we'll t- definitely get more into the uh, Super Bowl tomorrow. Talking a little hoops here uh, today. Get Trying to get my brain around this NBA trade deadline, like, a lot of it's just names and names and names, but there's like ESPN. I just clicked the, oh, what's what's going on? I haven't looked here in like an hour. That Durant guy, he's pretty good. And then there's like a trade every three minutes. Everyone's like, no, my team stinks. No, my team stinks. All of our teams stink. Trade everybody. It's great. The NBA wins is the best uh, league that uh, could be a daytime soap opera. Like they, the NBA trade deadline should be up for a daytime Emmy. There's just a lot of things going on. It's like uh, the finalists for show of the year, uh, Susan Lucci or Adam Silver. I don't know. We'll get into this later. We'll hit a little Durant later. We'll do. We'll do. We'll do it up. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. But right now, we do need to hear a little bit uh, from the Hall of Famer. I I do think. Right. We gotta. We gotta get a little bit. From Jim on what happened last night, I think. Don't no one want to hear from Jim Beheim on uh, you know what happened in the game and the whole thing. Like there, there was a lot going on this week. There's the basketball game. There's um, the NIL. There's the retirement. There's the this. There's the that. There's a lot going on uh, with Syracuse basketball, both on and off the court. In a lot of different ways. So let's let's kind of work in reverse here. Jim was on Orange Nation. When? Today. When? It was about 1.30. It's not that long ago. This is fresh. Hot, fresh news. Hot, fresh sound. Here is uh, Jim on part of it. And, you know, we talk a lot about it and everything he said after the game in the hall to Pete Thamel last uh, Saturday and all this. And there's been a nonstop chatter on our airwaves, on other airwaves and print and social media, on the Twitter, on the gram, on the Facebook. And uh, the, the snap, people are probably sending Snapchats about it. Uh, they, people have probably made up new social networks to discuss uh, Jim Beheim in the last week. Here, here, here is Jim on his paying attention ability to all that. But as far as me, you know, I've been doing this a long time. There's been tons of people on social media that have been against me for the last 20 years. Even when we were winning big, they were, you didn't win enough. That's just, that's part of the job. And you have to, you have to live with that. I know it's there, but I don't really listen or watch that stuff anymore. And, you know, um, that's great in theory. Now, do do we believe it to, to be... It is one thing maybe not to directly sit there listening to it all day. Now, this stuff gets to Jim. I think we all know that. 
because we often hear responses to things that have happened in print on radio on tv or in social media and how could one respond to them if one did not uh, either hear it or see it or was told about it now maybe that's uh, that's the workaround that you're you're told about it but you know it is interesting when you're in a position like uh jim Beheim is where there is much chatter about what you do and he's certainly not the only person in those positions like how much do you pay attention to it some people are like no i don't watch or listen to anything <laughs> yeah uh-huh like, no way. And if you are actually somebody that pulls that off and literally doesn't read the paper or read the paper's online website, it is 2023, or listen to a podcast or listen to the radio or watch TV, or somehow you avoid all that as a position, person in that position, like, does that make sense either? Like, that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Like, to completely, like, shove your head in the sand and ignore the entire outside world? No. And Jim clearly doesn't do that. And nor should you. Like, like the outside world is not going to it's not going to affect you winning or losing a basketball game, but like you should be somewhat aware of the perception of a youth program and the whole thing. Uh, nor should you rabbit ear literally everything because who's got the hours in the day to do that? So there, there's got to be some place in the middle. I, I, you know, it's a spectrum. Jim's somewhere, somewhere in the middle on there. But it, it did bring up all this off the court stuff with nil and retiring and everything. That was talked about here is uh, Jim from a post game last night, uh, you know, referencing everything that he talked about this past weekend. I explained everything. You know, I'm always used to saying I'm going to coach because that's what I've always said. And but I didn't add, but I've always added before, and you know this, it's up to the university. (laughs) They could call me tomorrow morning or call me in and say, you know, you've done a great job here and we think it's time to go. And I get that. And I, did, I, didn't, I don't know why I ruffled feathers on the higher up echelon just because I said I, I want to coach. You know, Maybe they want me to say, like, well, no, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to coach. You know what? I don't know. But the NIL stuff was wrong. I just should have said that's a big part of basketball. People have helped themselves with NIL and Portal. That's why I should have left it right there. Been perfect. But, you know, I don't always – I'm not always perfect. Far from it. And, it, you know, I felt, uh, Jim, you know, the press conference last night, it was long. It was all over the uh, place on basketball and, and and stuff like that. And, you know, from everything that happened from, you know, the game happened Saturday to whenever Pete Thamel's article came out. So, what, the game was at, was at 5. Um, so, game ended at 7 and press conference at 7.30-ish. She talked to Pete after that, so let's say they were done talking by 7.45. Pete's article was out at what, like 9.30, 10 o'clock, something like that? Like, that, that's give or take when, when all of this stuff went kaboom. And then there's, like, retractions 1 through 12 from Jim or, you know, whomever. Wherever, however. Like, and I'll still say this. Like, Jim meant everything he said after the game said it. He wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it. But it's what Jim said last night. You know, the phrasing matters, and, you know, the details of it matter. And he was kind of shooting from the hip Saturday night in ways he shouldn't have been. And, like, with every retraction, 1 through 76, like, that minute there last night was better than any of it. It was the guy himself saying, you know what? I said what I said. Here's the gist of what I actually meant. And you know what? Sometimes I say stuff I shouldn't say. Like, that's enough. That's good. We're good. 
Now, people, everyone in the world, like the the people that are big mad about it, it's not going to change. The people that didn't care about it, it's not going to change. Is it going to change anything? No, but I, I think hearing it in his own words, presented in that way, without a script, without a quote, without a this, without a that, you know, I think it puts things back on track in a better way than you know anything else did over the course of the last week. And it always helps when you win the game. Always helps when you win the game. Here's a little bit about actually uh, winning the game last night. Here's Jim from Orange Nation earlier on one of uh, Judah Mints and, uh, you know, what he's done, closing games. Well, it's tough. Freshman, it's a tough thing. You know, early in the year, I mean, he did make the winning bucket against Notre Dame, but right. then he had a couple opportunities where he didn't. But that's pretty normal. I mean, you're not going to make all the plays. Uh, he made seven or eight plays against Boston College in a row and six or seven or eight plays last night. That's not one or two plays. Right. That's a lot. Yeah, Judah last night was last 10 minutes of the game. Phenomenal. Best player on the court, not a question. Not a question. Now, was he the best player on the court for the full 40 minutes? No. And that's okay. Joe was great the whole game. Jesse had stats early, and Judah closed it out. They haven't quite figured out how to weave it completely all the way together all the time yet. That's okay. They all played well at points in a game that Syracuse went on the road and uh, won yesterday. Mentioned Chris Bell. Here's uh, Jim on uh, Bell from last night and how it did start with the the rebounding. I don't know. He was he went after some. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to go after the ball to get it, and I think he did that tonight. He played really well, and then he just fouled three times. I mean, just three fouls in a row. Just just play defense. Don't foul the guy. He had good position, but. Uh, I thought the biggest difference, Chris, he was, the time he drove, pulled up, made that shot, he was just more aggressive with the ball. And um, Like I said, I'm shocked when he misses and when he gets nine threes. I would bet that the worst he's ever going to do is three of them, four maybe, and you know, he just didn't go tonight. He didn't shoot it real well in practice this week, so I guess that sometimes does carry over. Well, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, Jim Beheim on the off-the-court stuff, Jim Beheim on the on-the-court stuff, and he, he said in Orange Nation today, you know what, everything I say is always a little bit better when you win the basketball game. <laughs> Everything's always a little bit better. That's the main thing I said. Like, this stuff, like all the other stuff, it goes away a lot faster. Like, when it's not, like, nuclear-level nuclear stuff, when it's not, you know, break glass in case of emergency stuff, when it's just, you know, words and whatnot. It all kind of goes away when you win basketball games. The Orange have won two in a row. No game this weekend. NC State will be coming our way on Tuesday evening in the Dome at uh, 7 o'clock, and we'll be uh, talking about that more as we get uh, closer to it uh, for sure. With that, we'll take a break. Much more to come here today on the 315 all across Central New York. It is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Cy? Let's look at this thing from a uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. Oh, the half-way there. 
This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. All right, here's what we've done so far. We, we started the show today not talking about the basketball game last night. A bold editorial decision. Or is when Don was free. We talked to Don McPherson to start the show today. Got into the idea of being uh, somehow the first Super Bowl here in Super Bowl 57. Uh, with two black quarterbacks uh, starting in the Super Bowl. How it's both uh, noteworthy and not surprising at all. At the same time, looking forward to Mahomes and Hurts and the Chiefs and the Eagles coming up on Sunday evening. Then we dove headfirst into the basketball game. The Orange knocking off Florida State last night, 76-67. Big game statistically for Joe, Judah, and Jesse. And a little bit of Chris Bell. And we heard from Jim Beheim on both the uh, off-the-court stuff, which has been going on ad nauseum all week, and the -the on-the-court stuff, which went on uh, positively Last night, as the Orange have secured their second straight win after losing uh, three in a row. So the Orange pointed toward uh, the backstretch of the season now. Six games left in the regular season. ACC tournament in Greensboro to follow. And we'll see how it all goes for the Orange. Syracuse sitting at 15-10. and 10. Like they're, not, they're not even on the bubble of the bubble of the bubble right now. But opportunities abound down the stretch to uh, maybe at least thinking about uh, approaching the vague edge of the bubble and getting some uh, thoughts on that. Uh, my assumption is Syracuse will just win its next two games, if only for when we have uh, Joe Lenardi on in a week and a half, uh, to drive him out of his mind, because Syracuse has haunted his dreams uh, for the last handful of years or so. It always feels like uh, the Orange are lingering in the hardest potential spot for a bracketologist and a selection committeeist and the people that make those decisions. Not today for the Orange, but maybe upcoming. Upcoming this hour, in about a half hour or a little less, we will give away a family four-pack of tickets to the lacrosse game tomorrow night. It's a, it's a reasonably family-appropriate time. Six o'clock face-off in the Dome tomorrow night. Houston, Albany. Work done, school done. Go to the Dome tomorrow night. Do it on us. We'll have trivia for tickets coming up in about 30 minutes' time. And if you don't want to go to the game tomorrow, uh, you can go to the game Sunday. we got tickets for that. We'll give those away on the program tomorrow. So that is the plan for that. The NBA trade deadline has passed. Are the trades done? I don't know. You just got to get it like submitted by 3 o'clock and zero zero seconds. I wonder what the official trade deadline clock looks at NBA headquarters. Or trades. The last uh, thing that flew across was at 2.52. Gary Payton the second was involved in the trade. He's Gary Payton too. Uh, Kevin Knox the second was also involved in the trade. Lots of second round picks are flying around the league. We'll tell you about all that in a little bit. But right now I want to get back into the basketball. I want to uh, get back to the idea that Syracuse has three legitimate college basketball star type players this year in their own way. Potential all-league type players in their own way. And Joe Girard, uh, Judah Mintz, and Jesse Edwards. Now where and if will they land on the ACC teams? I don't know. It's it's tough to make those teams. Like There's three all-ACC teams in the league. Five players first, five players second, five players third. That's 15 total players. There are 15 total teams. It's not like you say, oh, you got three all-league guys. Well, you know, math, spots, the whole thing. So who knows how that'll go. Like, Judah, I'm certain, will be on the all-rookie team. Beyond that, I got no idea who might land where. And especially for this reason. You look at the people that vote on it. It's the coaches. It's the media of the league. And while, yes, everyone pays attention to the whole league, a lot of times, I mean, you cover the team you cover, so you see all of their games, and thus all of their games versus the team, other teams. Then you know you catch whatever else you catch. 
And because of the way Syracuse's players, you know, some teams have a guy that like is there every night. Well, Syracuse has been kind of trading off. Man, Judah was great today. Oh, Joe, what a game. Or Jesse Edwards. Man, Jesse Edwards, huge game. But it hasn't yet really hit in a way that it has all been happening at the same time. So, that required a little research. Why, how, when, who, what? We had to go looking and see where are those three at and how is it related to Orange success on and off the court. So we had to go down the rabbit hole and find out. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. No time to say hello. Goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there, make a lot of noise, and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit! Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble! So down the rabbit hole we go, following Joe and Judah and Jesse, the three J's, triple J. Orange juice. I don't know. That's that one was bad. We'll figure something out. But the orange big three. Joe is averaging 17 points a game. Judah is averaging 15.4 points a game. Jesse is averaging 14.2 points a game. I understand there are plenty of other ways they all impact the game besides their scoring. But we're focused on their scoring right now. If you add those three numbers up, combined, Joe, Judah, and Jesse are averaging 46.6 points a game. Okay, that's pretty good. That's a powerful trio. Let's dive deeper. The Orange are 15-10. and 10. In 15 wins this season, Joe, Judah, and Jesse are averaging 51.8 points a game. In 10 losses this season, Joe, Judah, and Jesse are averaging 38.7 points a game. So, they are averaging 13 more points a game as a trio in wins than losses. 13 more points a game in wins or losses. That is a significant gap. 13 more points a game in wins than losses. Where is the demarcation line? When can you see what those three have done statistically and start checking it off in the win or the loss column? As combined, they average 51.8 in wins, 38.7 in losses, 46.6 overall. Where's the line? When those three combine for 50 or more points, 5-0, 50 or more points this season, the Orange are 11-0, have not lost a game when those three combine for 50 or more points, 11-0. When they don't make it to 50, 4-10. When they don't make it to 50, 4-10. There's basically been only one like legitimately really low-scoring game those three have had where the Orange have won. They combined for, shockingly, this number that the Orange could win a game. Only 24. Like That's hardly any for those three. That was the second Notre Dame game in the Dome. And what it required to overcome that was big performances by multiple other players. Uh, Chris Bell in that game had 17, and uh, Malik Brown in that game had 15. So you got 32 of it back from those two guys. Like That has not been a regular occurrence this year. That is not something you can count on. It happened that day, but counting on it, uh, you can't do right now. The most points the Orange have had in the loss 
was 49. They did that at Miami. Those three had 49. That was a game where Jesse had his then-career high, uh, 25. And, you know, we've uh, broken down that loss ad, uh, ad nauseum. But 11-0 when those three score 50, 4-10 when those three don't score 50. Here's what's encouraging. The last two games, the last two games, those three, Joe Girard, Judah Mitch, Jesse Edwards, have combined to score 60. In each of the last two games, they've combined to score 60. And that is the largest number of the season, and they've done it two games in a row. So you talk about, are the Orange trending in the right direction? Is two games a trend? I don't know. We shall see. But in the last two games each, those three have combined to score 60, and that is more than they have done in any game all season. So we'll see if that applies for the rest of the way. But, you know, it's been kind of all over the map with these three. Like when those three can do it, and it's completely independent of the rest of the roster. There's basically been one game this season where those three have gone completely in the tank and the Orange have won. Now, when those three have produced to that level, they've never lost. Never lost, regardless of what anybody else has done. Regardless. So, you know, if it's starting to mesh in the right way, that those three can consistently do it every game, they aren't got a chance here uh, down the stretch. But we don't know that yet, because uh, two games consistently does not make. But the last two games, scoring-wise anyway, have been the most productive for that trio of the entire of the entire basketball season, hitting 60 combined uh, between those three over the last two games. So something to watch out for as uh, we go forward this season. With that, we will uh, hit the phone lines. Scooter and James Wills with us. Scooter, hello. How are you? Brian, listen, I got a question for the guy who knows. Mm-hmm. I, I put some money already on it, but there's a prop bet out there, and I got it early because I think it's going to go up. But what do you think the guy who knows, if you got a team total, this is a team total over under, not the game. Okay. Kansas City is only 24. Well, and. Uh- you went over or under, Scooter? What, what is I went, I, I, this is this is my thinking. First of all, finally we're going to have. I mean, Jackson, I mean, Kansas City. The last two games has played in sub sub zero almost temperature, freezing rain against Jacksonville. They're going to be in a perfect weather environment, no wind. And I, I got the over. And I looked at Philadelphia. My my gut feeling is that the defense's uh, stats are going to be inflated, you know, better because they played the Giants twice and Washington twice. But anytime Philadelphia's played a good quarterback, you got to look at their stats. Golf kind of lit them up, and Prescott lit them up. So I assume the Mahomes can light them up too. But twenty-four is interesting because that's a that's a pretty hittable, you know, good, especially against a team that can, you know, can light up the scoreboard. And I'm looking here just. Glancing quickly, Scooter, if you got 24, I think you got a pretty good price. Um, I, I agree. Uh, I, I got it early. I'd probably gone up yeah, since then. That's what. Because the, the total now I'm seeing for the whole game is 51. and you know, Right, that's gone up. Yeah, yep. and it's gone up. So it feels like when you got on it early and got good value, like you're not getting 24. Uh, now, I, I'm intrigued because you never know, Scooter. Like with the Super Bowl is weird, right? Sometimes it starts out very, very slowly. So we'll, right. we'll have to see how, how that goes. But, you know. That's the main thing. I can't get a sense. We got Jim Coventry from Rotowire who does all of this prop stuff. He'll be on tomorrow, so we can we can ask him what he what he thinks about yeah, that. Yeah, but it, it's uh, going to be interesting because you know it feels like this could it could turn into a shootout uh, with these two offenses, but you just never know in the Super Bowl. Well, I just I just think that uh, it, it has gone up. When I hit this, actually, um, actually, uh, Kansas City was the dog, so they're going to be less than than Philadelphia. And I got it. Mm-hmm. I think it was one and a half. 
and it was 50 and a half, and it was 20, it was uh, 20, uh, 25 and a half uh, for, for Philly. Philly was actually, uh, theoretically, going to score more because they got them favored over Kansas City at that time, and this is going to fluctuate. But, the, but, but I just looked at Philadelphia, and I'm sitting there going, they really haven't been tested. I mean, you can't go by the playoffs. We had a third, four-string quarterback for most of the game against San Francisco, and we, we just know that the, the Giants aren't set up to throw the ball. And it, to me, actually, Henning, at least, at least if somebody got hurt, Henning at least is a pretty good backup. He went 98 yards against Jacksonville for, for one of the touchdowns. And the conditions they played in, what they scored and moved. Now that we just go, we, we go indoors. And to me, it's uh, at dome stadiums like Syracuse. You know, you got perfect weather conditions. You think you kind of move up on points. Can I make one quick comment about the the SU and winning the six? I mentioned that in Orange Nation, and and I think you know, I I I love it when Pat calls in, and you know, I always listen to him. But my my contention is, you know, if, if Syracuse wins all six, if Syracuse still is going to make the tournament. And my point is called leapfrogging. If you're 98th in the, in the net and they're going to move up because they win all six games, mm-hmm. uh, somebody's got to drop out. And who's who's dropping out in front of them? Because the other conferences got teams in the top 10. So in years past when Syracuse played Duke and lost to them, they got, you know, they got brownie points for playing and they, they bumped them up even though they lost. And they used to play Duke twice and Carolina twice, which they don't do. And if you're playing at Five Allen Fieldhouse and you beat Kansas at Five Allen Fieldhouse, is that a better quad one win than going beating, you know, say for example, Clemson on the road or something like that? And these other conferences got teams like uh, Indiana's going to play Purdue twice. They beat them once. If they lose to Purdue the next time, they're probably going to get bumped because Purdue's in the top five, and Texas and Kansas teams in the Big Twelve. So if Syracuse wins all six. And even a couple games in the ACC, other teams got to you know drop out, so they have to leapfrog somebody who's 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 dropping out. Yeah, I think that's what we saw last year, right, Scooter? Like once the non-conference games get set and kind of lock it all in, like last year, the Big Ten got eight million teams in the tournament. Well, no matter right. who, no matter who won any of those games in February, someone in the Big Ten was getting wins. Like someone in the Big Ten exactly. was getting big wins, and that, and that's going to be the situation. Syracuse is in this month. Wake Forest is in this month. I, oddly, North Carolina is in this month. It's going to be very interesting to see how it affects uh, yeah. the ACC here. All right, Scooter, always good to hear Thanks. from you. It's Thanks, Brian. All right, it's going to be a fun uh, final month here in the ACC because, you know, whatever we got in the league this year, and I don't know, like, is it good? Is it not? Like, it looked terrible last year. Then you got two in the Final Four, and Miami made the Elite Eight. And then the Big Ten was supposedly the best league in the country last year, and they just crapped all over themselves in the uh, in the tournament, as they often do. The um, the Big 12 looks pretty good this year. I don't know how many teams they got right now. They got like four teams, six teams, ten teams, 15 teams. Who can count? Um, but they look pretty good. But it's self-perpetuating from this point forward. So Scooter has a point. The Orange could win the next six and pick up. Like even, They could win six and you'd pick up five either quad one or quad two wins. That's undebatable if you happen to win them all. But where does it land you? Because teams in the Big 12 and the Big 10 are also picking up wins just by the nature of their league uh that like every game is a, a chance for a win like that so we'll see how it goes i i have no idea uh i know this the acc tournament this year is set up to just be a madhouse because teams will be desperate teams will be desperate in a way that not everybody in major conference leagues always is 
in that tournament because there's going to be multiple teams, so that is their only route to the big dance. Or at least they'll think they may have that uh, be the case. So it's going to be wild stuff, wild stuff in Greensboro uh, coming up in a month. With that, we'll take a break. Uh, a little dabbling into the NBA trade deadline when we come back, I think, and we'll give away some uh, lax tickets coming up at the bottom of the hour. Step aside now here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. 